Hello and welcome to episode 198 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. The jump season comes to an end at Sandown on Saturday, where the Celebration Chase is the feature grade one of the day. In association with GBR Racing, we hear from both champion conditional jockey Luca Morgan and champion jump jockey Brian Hughes. On today's episode, we also have a chat with Christian Williams, who sends Kitty's Light to Sandown on Saturday. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of the Sandown racing action with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday's big Champions Day meeting at the Sha Tin Racecourse in Hong Kong. So Bill, it's hard to believe, but we've come to the end of the jump season and the big meeting on Saturday at Sandown always culminates in that with the Bet365 Celebration Chase, then the Gold Cup and the Oaksy Chase, uh, etc. And always uh, a really good card to finish. And all the uh, the main men turn up, don't you, to pick up their prizes and be crowned champion. We'll hear from a couple of champions on, on this programme uh, later on in the edition today. But uh, how do we see it? The, the ground at Sandown is going to be important because it's it's been raining a lot, but they don't seem to have caught much of it down there in Asia. Yeah, it's weird because the flat meeting on Friday is soft and heavy in places. And then you've got the chase meeting on Saturday where they're going at the moment is the chase course is good. And on the hurdle course, it's good, good to soft in places. So proper kind of spring ground. I presume they've overwatered on the on the flat course and they've been t- taking the brunt of the rain there. There is rain due Thursday night, I think kind of four to eight mils, but no rain Friday, Saturday. So I'm working on the basis of good ground for the season finale. How tough is it? We always say Clark of the course have it tough trying to organise their tracks. But if you're a trainer trying to declare a horse 48 hours in advance of the weather, it's almost impossible to know what you're going to get one the day. Yeah, really hard. I mean, uh, Andrew Cooper is about the best in the business at, at Sandown yeah. and, and, and is, does a terrific job there. It's, look, it's late in the season. It's hard for them to produce the right ground. Um, I think if you ask people at the beginning of the season what ground you'd expect, the Bet365 Gold Cup there. I think people are going to say good, maybe good to soft in places. And that's exactly what Andrew Cooper's produced. So I don't think anyone can have any complaints. I think it's it's perfect jumping ground. We're going to concentrate on the uh, final day of jumps racing at Sandown this Saturday. They start there at one oh five, running over two miles. The Novices Championship final handicap hurdle. Uh, got a, a decent field here under control. Nicky Henderson... There's a JP horse in the race. They've got to kill alone for Paul Nichols, who's got a pretty strong hand on finals day. He's going to be the champion trainer once again. Bo Balco is also a Nichols horse. He could uh, go with either of those. Ibirico Lord is in there as well. There's there's a f- few in here that uh, the big guys, the, the top guys in racing, they're targeting to get their owners off to uh, finish the season on a high. Yeah, I mean, the, the Henderson-Nichols battle is going to be a feature of this final day card, and, and the pair of them are responsible, I think, for five of the field. Hendo's definitely got two in under control, and Iberico Lord, and uh, Paul Nichols has got Kill Alone, and Bo Balco, and Whole Town Hero. I mean, they're five of the six in the top of the betting. Um, it looks to be, it looks to be a, a pretty much between them, Um under control. I was at Cheltenham last week when she won. She's a four-year-old filly, and she kind of made it three out of four that day, up seven pounds now. 
uh, the only kind of kind of blop on the dance card was um, was in the um, mayor's novices at Cheltenham Festival on, on soft ground. She was at the back and never got into it. But Hendo's done that before with you know Epitant did the same kind of thing, and you can't really mask her or, or label a Philly moderate just because she's fallen out the back of of the telly in a race like that. So under control looked really good last week. Was always going to win. Um, is likely likely going to take some beating here. Just a price thing around four or five to one, a little bit short. Um, I was umming and ahhing which of those five big guns I wanted to be with, and in the end, I've decided to probably swing the bat at a bigger price because there's a few short ones I probably want to be with later in the card, and I think this race you're always open to a, a, a potential upset. And there were a couple of horses at bigger prices I thought would run well. Um, the first of those was Joe De Dancer, uh, around 14, maybe even bigger. Um, we haven't really seen the prices yet. We're recording this on Thursday. They've only just declared, but this was a horse who had a reputation for Ben Pauling, fell in a point to point when kind of 11 lengths clear and in, in the process of running a very fast time. Uh, that, that point to point was won by Fern's Lock, who's arguably one of the best point to pointers on the circuit. And he kind of fluffed his lines in his first two starts, but was much better in his last two, um, second at Lingfield and then one at Suddle off a mark of 116. Just probably is still well, well treated. Whether quite street wise enough to win a race like this, I don't know. But just to, when they hit those kind of 14s and 16s, it's probably well worth a chance, Joe to dancer. So uh, he's definitely on my radar. As is Celtic Heart, who was very useful for the Coles uh, on the flat before he kind of lost his way. And um, he's been nursed back to form over hurdles by Jeremy Scott uh, who's a trainer I've got lots of time for and runs here off a mark of 120 which still seems potentially lenient won his last two in good fashion I just thought those two could play play their hand in a, in a pretty competitive race so I'm going to go Joe De Dancer and Celtic Art kind of 14s and 10s respectively Only five have been declared for the 140 it's a two mile bet 365 celebration chase it's a grade one and Grenatine, who loves Sandown, Chris Giles, his owner, loves Sandown. Paul Nichols just loves every race course. And Harry Cobden rides this course particularly well. Grenatine's in there with John Bond, which is a bit of a surprise that John Bond's in the race. I'll get your thoughts on John Bond in a second, who's just edging favouritism and the latest betting that I've got in front of me ahead of Grenatine now. Captain Guinness, editor of the Jeet for Gary Moore and the Funambula Sibila complete the five runners here. Are we surprised that John Bond's turning up having won an entry uh, in, a, in a race and in a course that Grenatine seems to love? Yeah, another another Hendo-Nichols battle this time in the second race, like you say, in the celebration chase. Uh, oh, a bit surprised. I think everyone was a bit surprised that John Bond uh, takes a chance. He's obviously come out of entry. Entry was a bit of a non-event. Uh, his main mark arrival came out just before the race and he won by daylight as he's entitled to do having finished second in the Arkle. Um, look, it's, it's about tomorrow's future champion in John Bond against a horse that we know is at his best around Sandown at this time of year. Grenatine's won the race the last two years. Um, he's a good ground Sandown specialist who peaks uh, the kind of last week of April every year. So, Sean Bond's going to be able to have to be at his very best. He had not much of a race at Aintree, like I just said before, but um, Grenatine's gone his usual usual kind of path. He 
he won the Holden Gold Cup and was second in the Tingle Creek. He kind of traditionally always bombs out in the game spirit at Newbury. It's not really his day or his his track. And then was a distant third in the champion chase. But he would have been trained for this. Uh, he's only nine. You, you had a, you kind of feel that in your mind, you feel because of the, the length of time they've been around, you kind of feel that Jean Ball might be six and Grenatine might be 10 or 11 mm. and actually one seven and one's nine. But Grenatine has done it. John Bond's got to prove that he can do it. And, you know, on, on raw form, John Bond was put in his place at Cheltenham, having run a funny race at Warwick, and then did what he had to do at, at, at Aintree. And uh, I would definitely be with Grenatine here. And prices I'm looking at now are kind of 7 to 4, 15 to 8, John Bond, 9 to 4, almost 5 to 2, Grenatine. Yeah. I'd, rather be with, I'd rather be with Grenatine. Um, Captain Guinness has run consistently well, second in the champion chase last time. Travel with, you know, real kind of um, potential in that race, and you know, turning in, I thought he might be able to pick Nergamin up, but obviously got outstayed as we saw Nergamin won again this week at Punchdown. But Captain Guinness isn't just going to make up the numbers as his editor. Gee, it's a good race, but I'll stick with Grenatine, who we just know is very effective around Sandown. Then at two fifteen, it's uh, three and a half miles, just a little bit extended as well. The bet three six five. Gold Cup Handicap Chase. It's the Premier Handicap of the weekend. Very famous race with 18 declared in the end. We'll get Bill's thoughts on this race in a moment. But we managed on this Thursday morning of the Jockey Club together to speak to trainer Christian Williams, who's got Jack Tudor book for Kitty's Light. Amazing that's coming back just a week after winning the Scottish Grand National up at air in fine style. He won by three lengths. On that occasion, jumped much better than he did in the Ida. And when we spoke to Christian, he started talking about last week's victory in the Scottish Grand National at Air. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful day. Been a tough, um, tough few weeks there for obviously family, Charlotte, uh, um, all my family, friends, and you know, all my owners, good owners. Been been tough. So that there was, um, you know, Kitty was um, he's been a flagship horse over the last two years we're lucky to have a few quality horses that can run in those bigger races and you know winning the Scottish National going into the race winning the Scottish National would have been a massive boost for everyone so it's very very emotional yeah we understand all that horse seems very well come out of the race very well I always think he runs okay at Sandown as well he he, he um Paul Nichols thought he should have won the race when when they reversed the results. We thought we should have won the race, and then he finished third last year to Hewick, and you know another well handicapped horse finished second. So he, he seems to run well around the track, and um, loves this type of ground, loves this time of year. So we we try and be positive going into race and took a view that um, with his health at home and how fresh he is, that, that it was worth worth declaring him. And I wanted to ask you about Sandown, obviously. Kitty's Light has run well at Sandown. He's been unlucky second and third in this race. But he never looked like he was going to win the Ida at any stage. What a ride from Jack to, to get him home. And then at air, he weaved through the field. Both of those have got pretty long straights, whereas Sandown's a little bit tighter. You come off that final turn. It's not quite that long stretch as air Newcastle. And also a shorter trip. Do you think this is going to be a different kind of race that Jack's going to have to ride to have him prominent at, at the winning line where you need him to be if we took out last week's run we'd be confident going into this race in material of the track 
I think the only negative going into this race is he obviously only won a Scottish National a week ago. Mm. But he is a he is freakish for a horse. Now the way he comes out the races, you you never see anything like it. You you know, you basically after a race you you could nearly run him in the next race. He recovers very quick. There's obviously something in inside him. I don't know if he's got big lungs or a big heart or but there's something made up in there that um you know, different to any other horses that, that we've run. So it's just it's more of a jumping test to Sandown, but for some reason he does he travels sweet in last year's race at Sandown. So um he bumped into Hewick obviously had two or three stone in hand that day and yeah. Philip Hobbs is in in a good good health as well. So he travelled well last year. He looked a bit different today last week. Don't know if the cheek pieces made the difference or he just looked a little bit different. Don't know whether he's a little bit stronger this year. I think the obvious thing at Newcastle was that I think it was still winter ground that day, mm-hmm. and he's just a good moving horse. Loves good fast ground. Real fast ground is um, sinks the key to him, and his jumping, his jumping stands up. Then he loves jumping off quicker ground, and I just think. At Newcastle, basically, I don't know how he won at Newcastle. I don't think he jumped one fence, and they were about third. I don't know how many fences in the Ida chases at thirty or even more. He ne- he never jumped one fence and still won the race. Yeah, goes to show what's inside there somewhere. Something's a bit different inside him to have won the Ida, to be well on top at the end in the Ida, having not jumped a fence, and then obviously when his jumping held up then in Adair, but we 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 half thought the cheek pieces might help a little bit but I just chanced him at Newcastle that he still might get away with it and still win without the cheek pieces and just put him on nice and fresh and different in Scotland just to he obviously went up a few pounds win at Newcastle but then I thought then that the cheek pieces could bring out a little bit more improvement mm. and finally you say he's a freak and he's obviously by Nathaniel the flatbread horse do you think because he is what he is and he can do so much that he can do that other horses probably wouldn't be able to then it was an easier decision for you to go from air to, to send down for the Gold Cup on the weekend we probably could only do it with him like I said the way he recovers from his races is a bit different to to other horses he does come out his races very well and and he does spark this time of year like we're saying he did a piece of work only a fortnight ago which was a good piece of work which he probably wouldn't have showed throughout the winter, and he is, and he seems very well at home. But you know, basically, you don't know until you run. We just been a bit brave running, and the most important thing was Jack been riding horse since he was a yearling, knows the horse very well, and Jack's riding him on the weekend. So, you know, the two of them know each other. So if Jack's, you know, Jack will know throughout the race how the horse is going and everything. It's going to be fun to watch, isn't it? I mean, really, he's a swashbuckling jockey on on a horse that needs it. The way he went out over the last at uh, air on on in, in the Scottish National, he basically didn't jump the fence; he just went through it, and he held on. And he went, "We're going to win this race." Determination must be great for you, standing there watching that with your owner, thinking, "Goodness me, this this guy knows what he's doing." Yeah, he's galloped straight to the last, never broke stride, and he's only a small small little pony, but. Yeah, it was a lovely race to watch. I thought on Saturday the whole race, not just our horse. They seemed to they went a good even gallop all the way. Just a nice race to yeah to watch on on Saturday. That's Christian Williams talking about Kitty's Light. 
He's getting a bit pigeonholed now, isn't he, uh, Christian, for being great with staying chasers and all of his horses seem to need uh, long distances. But uh, I don't think he wants to be pigeonholed in, in that particular light. But when they're winning, and it's the way that Kitty's light wins. I mean, we mentioned in the interview, the Ida, I know you, you tipped him up. I'd backed him that day. There wasn't any stage we thought we were going to win the Ida. He looked a little bit better jumping the fences last week at, at air. But the way Jack Tudor flew through the last, it was like, we are going to win this. And and when you've got that kind of mentality on your side, Bill, that's, that's always a very much a positive to have in a race where Revels Hill lines up and Sam, who's always in the stairs races. Frodon is in there as well. Mucho Mars and many others, T-Clipper, etc. You know, Kitty's light it would be a delight to own when he what a terrific horse he's been. He's the son of Nathaniel. He's not supposed to be doing all of this. I know, and he was he was look, he was brilliant last weekend. He was much, much better. His jumping, he travelled into the race, he did it a lot easier than he previously done at Newcastle. Uh look. He's again the one they've got to beat. The difference being, as as you said earlier, that uh there is a proximity or, or a much closer gap between running in the Scottish National and running here than there was 12 months ago. There's 21 days uh, last year between the two races and there's seven days now. So that's a big ask. But, you know, like you say, Christian is confident of all the horses in his team that can take the run, the quick run. Um, Kitty's like can. You know, he said he could have run in the race after the Scottish National. And look, he's, he's a brilliant trainer and he knows what he's doing. And the horse peaks at this time of year we've you know he's got a lot of history in this race he was obviously the the unlucky meat in the sandwich between kind of Potterman and and Rillo a couple of years ago in that race when he could probably could have won and then ran another cracker here 12 months ago uh behind Hewick and look he's he's going to be bang there he'll handle the ground comes here in great form and you know looking at his opposition there's there's that's not a huge amount you'd be really terrified of. You, you'd, you'd imagine Revels Hill will want some more rain to fall. And Sam's effective, but does he really want this far? Brodon's got a huge weight to carry, 12 stone, but he's very, very consistent. Um, the Gopher's been to the well a few times now. Um, had hard races, one at the Dublin Racing Festival, and then a good fourth at Cheltenham. Um, T-Kipper's interesting, but there's nothing there you're 100% really afraid of. Mm. The kitty's kitty's light, and you know I always say with these things: Do you want to lay the horse? I wouldn't want to lay the horse at five to one or six to one. I think he'll be bang there. I think he'll run his race. Um, if he's going to lose, he's going to get beat in, into a place at, at worst. I would have thought. So you know, at kitty's light five or eleven or two, I'd definitely be with him. I think he's he's you have to kind of have him on your punting side. So kitty's light, I definitely play. And the other one at a much bigger price, around sixteens is in Rillo, um, who's obviously got form in this race, uh, passed the line in front a couple of years ago and was demoted, having drifted across the, off, across the track. But showed a bit more sign of life at Kempton last time, 6 of 13. That was off a mark of 142. A handicapper got the axe out and has taken five pounds off. So, I mean, it's the most lenient bit of handicapping I've seen in a long time. Um, but he's now running off a mark of 137. And, look, he wasn't, he didn't show up last year, but he's off a seven-pound lower mark. And I just think at the price, he's worth taking a chance. He's only nine years old. Nichols has his team in great form. 
You can bet your bottom dollar he's been aimed at this. And 10 stone 5, 16 to 1 each way. I thought Enrillo had to be part of the Ponty strategy. So I'm going to go Kitty's Light and Enrillo at kind of 5 and 16, respectively. Looks like a, a really fun race to watch. Kitty's Light, the way he runs his races and the way Jack Chidder rides him, he just rides him like he's going hunting for the day. I mean, he's just you know, careless, carefree. He's wonderful to see. So we look forward to that uh, on Saturday at Sandown. Then at 2.50... Two and three quarter miles is the distance for the Oaksy Chase. Just a small field here of seven have been declared for this. Now, Shark Hanlon's had many options with Hewick over the past few days. He could have gone to Ireland. He could have run in the the handicap, but he's decided to go and run in the uh, the Oaksy. And I think he, I saw a quote from him saying that he thought this race didn't take a lot of winning, and and Hewick would certainly have a a decent chance rated. 168 when you're up against the Eldorado Allens at 156 and First Flow, 158 McFabulous, all below him in the handicapping charts. And Solo, who's had the wind up down at 149, and, and he gets lower and lower as we go down. So has Shark chosen the right race for Hewitt this weekend? Yeah, I think he has. Um, I mentioned about some of the shorter ones I'd rather be with. And Hewitt, uh, uh, there's no prices yet, but I'd imagine he'll be around. Seven to four, six to four territory. I think he's going to take a lot of beating. This is a horse who obviously won the Bet365 last season. He won the Galway Plate off 155. Went out and won the US Grand National at Far Hills in October. And then was kept fresh for a return for the Gold Cup and was jumping really well and got himself into a really rhythm when crashing out late on. Um, but look, he's a he's a 168 chaser. Um, getting weight from horses like first flow and, and Eldorado Allen it's like it's it's on, on a handicapping it'd be a major upset I mean Solo had originally been one of the fancy runners for this because he's returned to form and obviously looks like he'll run his race but he's he's off levels with he's got one pound less than, than Hewick but you know Solo's rated 149 Hewick's rated 168 and look it's the perfect bit of placing Rachel Batmore's overtakes the ride they'll get into rhythm um, you know whether whether one of the, like, Eldorado Allen wants to take them along, just give Hewitt a lead. I'd, I'd be amazed if Hewitt didn't win this, and I think uh, I think he'll win. Looks like he's got a really good opportunity and have to be right up there on one of your bets of the weekend for me. I think Hewitt looks uh, beautifully placed. Yeah, and he's got, a ground, he's, got a gr- he's got ground in his favour as well. It, you know, yeah. It's probably going to be, if it is dry all day on Saturday and there's a bit of wind around, it'll be the... You know, good ground come three o'clock. It, it, mm. it just should get into a lovely rhythm, and it'd be a surprise. You know, stamina. Uh, this race is two miles six and a half, so the kind of two and a half milers tend to have a spin at this, and then they they don't quite get home. And yeah. and then there's the three mile plus ones that don't have a speed. This is he's got a right trip. You know, on fast ground, it's just just the perfect trip for him. And I think Hewick Hewick will get the job done. Okay, three twenty five, two and a half miles. Josh Gifford, novices handicap chase field of nine. Paul Nichols' strong hand here with a couple of owners that he's been supporting him for many years. The Stewart family have got Captain Matin, who's rated 136 with Harry Cobden on board. Finished second twice in the row now, having won two at Taunton and Exeter at the start of the year. And Kel Destin with Bryony Frost on board for Martin Broughton and friends, who's also been a loyal owner of the Nichols Yard for many years as well. And this horse was second behind Hudson de Grugy also uh, uh, lines up in this race for Gary Moore, 
with Jamie on board. A winner at Sandown. He loves Sandown. He sources him to do well at Sandown. Nicky Henderson brings Fable for the owners group, who was a winner at Bangor and then finished third at Fontwell. Maybe not quite the form that some of the others bring. Is, is, does Nichols have the hand here? Yeah, he does have the hand. And it might not be the one that the jockey booking suggests um, it will be because, you know, Captain Matan has been beaten, in my eye, fair and square the last twice. Um, he was beaten at Wincanton, as he said, and then beaten again at Kempton last time. And look, he's solid, but he's not he's not unbeatable. And, you know, Harry Colton takes the ride. I was interested in Kel Destan. I'm sure he'll be second in here uh, in the market, uh, at least on the open. He might well end up going off favourite because this looks to have been the plan. And he showed much more sign of life last time, Kel Destan. Uh, he was second uh, at this track over two and a half miles on ground. That's probably plenty soft enough. And having lost his way a little bit, what previously won at, Jan- uh, at Lingfield back in January, but he's just a horse with a fair bit of ability uh, on a going day. And I just felt that um, Bryony was a great brooking. She kind of comes into her own at this track or this card. And I just thought this was a ready-made winner for her. Um, Kel Destin was definitely the one of the two uh, Nichols horse horses I preferred uh, probably better than a one three five chaser on his day. Um, the ground wouldn't be soft enough for the likes of Hudson de Grugi. Yeah, I thought um, I thought Kelvestar would take plenty of beating here. I know you've got a thought or two on the four o'clock at Sandown, which is not an ITV, and I'm surprised it's the select hurdle. It's a great two, only six going to go to post probably. But there's some great horses in, some wonderful hurdlers that we've been watching all season long. And it'd be lovely to see them all on their final day of the season. Goshen's back again, whatever you make of him. Obviously, he didn't take to fences. We've been through this uh, a few times now. But Goshen over hurdles is totally a different ball game. And you've got Nappers Hill for the Nichols Yard. Call Me Lord for Nicky Henderson in the double green colours. David Pipe, who's in great form with his new jockey, Jack Tudor on board's got Texan running in this race. Time Hill is in there as well. And Theatre Glory, who's another Henderson horse. It's a, it's a great little field to watch. And I'm surprised they haven't moved it in some way to try and get it on the TV because that's a race I'd love to see. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant race. And the re- reason we're covering it is because my kind of bet of the day runs here in, in this. And um, look, looking at them, there's plenty of negatives about some of these. And you know, starting with Goshen, the ground's just not going to be soft enough for him. Uh, Nappers Hill looked like Nackers Hill last time. He looked absolutely legless. Well, he's had a hard season. I'm not sure um, whether he'll bounce back. Call Me Lord's interesting because he always runs well at this meeting and comes there swinging and doesn't quite get home. Um, and the time's catching up with him. He could easily be the one for the forecast. Call Me Lord at a big price because he'll run well. Texard isn't good enough. Time Hill... Is strangely reverting for hurdles after after a disappointing show at Cheltenham. But the one to be on here is definitely Theatre Glory. This is a horse of huge talent for the Nicky Henderson team. Uh, she kind of ran a cracker in a listed mare's race at Warwick back in February. That made connections supplement her for the mare's hurdle. Uh, she's a good ground there. And <laughs> the rain came. So it kind of scuppered their plans. She went from kind of eight to one out to 50s for the mare's hurdle. So it tells you what the ground did to her chances. But she actually ran really well. She was sixth uh, to Honeysuckle, not beaten a million miles. 
this trip would be perfect for her. She's a proper kind of staying filly. Two mile five on decent ground. The ground should be decent by this time of day. I think she'll sit in behind and Nico will pounce. I don't know what price she'll be because no one's priced it up, but I'm hoping the presence of some of these kind of household names of hurdlers in the field um, will will kind of bolster her price. But I think she's got an excellent chance to get a glory. And I think she'll win the select hurdle. Thanks, Bill. Good luck with those selections at Sandown on Saturday. Well, of course, it's the end of season finale for the jumps scene and the new season starts again on Monday. So they'll be handing out the prizes. Paul Nichols, the champion trainer and champion jockey once again is Brian Hughes. In conjunction with the GBR Racing, we cut up with Brian and asked him to reflect on another successful season. It's good, obviously, to be champion again. And uh, as you say, yeah, plenty of hard work. We obviously didn't get to the number we did last year, but we'll, we'll try harder next year. I sort of know where it went. I mean, we, did, we missed a lot of win- We missed a lot of the days racing with bad weather, didn't we? And um, mm-hmm. you'd have to say the horses probably just weren't running as, as as well as they probably were the season before, even though they haven't been running badly. Um, you know, um, they just haven't been in a similar sort of form. So obviously Donald's a brilliant trainer and he's got a good team and, and obviously he's got a great bunch of loyal owners who who, you know, have quite quite supported the yard really and, and me sort of effectively through that. But yeah, look, it's great. I mean I enjoy riding Donald's horses and, and um yeah, as you say, we've had a lot of success over the last couple of seasons. So yeah, and, and hopefully I say we'll have a few more successful seasons to come. You know, obviously he has opinion, I have my opinion and other people have of theirs and um yeah but I mean like there's never we sort of said at the start of it you know you know there's going to be times when you know through no fault of anyone things aren't going to go right in a race or whatever and or I might make the wrong call but you know it's it's human error it's not intentional um and yeah we we discuss things and um we generally find a, a common ground and move on everyone wants to ride in the big big the big race winners and riding in the competitive races and it's not we're not it's not that I don't want to it's just you know we, we we Donald buys a lot of horses and we're hoping to to drop on a couple of good graded horses but if they're not if you don't ride for the people who have them it makes it fairly hard to get on them you know um yeah I mean I don't know what I can do any differently really I I ride for who I ride for and if they have a good horse, hopefully I'll ride it. But, you know, I, I'd love to be going to Cheltenham with loads of fancy rides, but I want to be competitive and people always give out and moan and suppose it gives them something to moan about. And I'm not at them bigger festivals sometimes, but but I'm not going to be competitive somewhere. I don't really, you know, if I've got a good ride, I'm going to be there in a heartbeat, you know. Um, I want to ride winners and um, I'm not looking at anyone in it with, with any envy really it's just you know you want to be wherever you're going you want to be competitive and um, if you can't get on good rides I kind of think it's kind of pointless to go I'm 38 in June so 40 is not going to be far away it doesn't seem like any time at all since I came to England in 2005 it's gone that quickly so yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll start off with a new season on Monday and um, try and ride as many winners as we can when you get to the sort of 40 in and around that you, you know you, you sort of not many jump jockeys go on much past or into their 40s, maybe early 40s, but definitely not on the flat to go to to go to 50, don't they? But I just don't want to take anything for granted. 
look at the end of the day um, a lot of jockeys when I was starting out helped me out and gave me advice and it's kind of just feel it's um, you know it's one of them things that you you, you just would help people um, when they come and ask and it's no problem if people ask you, you you just always do what you can to help them out Championship jockey Brian Hughes once again he'll be collecting his prize at Sandown on Saturday as will champion conditional Luca Morgan who picked up the prize, running many winners for Ben Pauling and other outside rides as well. He's had a terrific season and was asked, first of all, if he'd set himself any target for the season initially. I didn't have any kind of targets or ambitions as such, but, um, you know, I've always been one of the taller lads and, in, you know, at the same time, a little bit heavier. So having loads of rides and, and loads of winners and, you know, numerically, Having a lot of rides and things like that wasn't really what I was going to be, you know, wasn't going to be my bag. Um, but I've had so much support from Ben, it's kind of, um, you know, balanced it out and managed to ride plenty of winners for for Ben and for Michael Scudamore and a couple of other trainers in there as well. When I first went to Ben's, it was, um, you know, we were in the old yard and things just slowed down ever so slightly. The horses weren't running as well as they could have been. And just, you know, it was hard for those couple of seasons and to kind of go through that with everyone and, move into the new yard and see how it is now it's um you know it's it's a really nice place to be and the horses are running so well and um you know i think as a team we're all just in high spirits and everything so it's really good obviously everyone loves having the winners but it's just a nice place to be the yard's obviously purpose built and things like that so um it's got horses and staff in mind so um yeah it's just a great place to be and um you know everyone seems very happy at the moment anyway there's been some a few highlights have been three Cheltenham winners they're all obviously quite special at the time and as a highlight I don't really have one I just I get a real buzz I run good horses on good days and I've been lucky enough for a conditional and someone who's still able to ride as a conditional that Ben's put me up on so many good horses on good days and that's where I kind of you know get a real buzz from and just you know like Cheltenham this year and, and things like that you know it's been um, been great all the way through and finally on the jump season that ends on Saturday at Sandown, it's time to crown the champion trainer, who is, once again, Paul Nichols. We always try and have 20 winners by the 1st of October before, before Chepstow. Um, that might be a bit tougher this year because we're not going to have two. We'll get one or two to go. Well, it might only be 10 or 12 this year, but we'll be lots of time rebuilding, buying, restocking. We've got some work to do on the gallops. Yeah, of course, from October onwards, we'll be as competitive as ever, you know. But luckily this year, we've trained the most winners and the most prize money, which is obviously satisfying. But yeah, just as normal next year, we can't wait to get going again. You mentioned competitiveness, and you are obviously very competitive. You lost a lot of horses. A lot of your horses retired pretty much at the same time a few years ago, and you weren't able to win the championship after that for, for a year or two. How frustrating was that? as a person for yourself that always loves to win races and always wants to be champion trainer, having to retire all the horses just at one stage and then and then come back and start afresh with, with a, a, you know, a new group of horses? Well, that's no more than a football team, having a great team of players and they retire, go elsewhere, you've got to start again and building up. I mean, definitely those years if we weren't didn't win the championship we were second even with the the little gap we had and it, you, you know those horses just don't grow on trees and they take time to mature and improve and get there so it's a it's a bit of a long process to get back where we are but you know just be patient and keep your head down keep training winners and you get back to where you were i mean i think 
yeah, I don't know, since 2010 or 12, since those horses all sort of retired. I don't know whether what the cha- you know how many championships we won in the last 10 or 12 years, but quite a lot, I'd say. And you just got to keep rebuilding. And rebuilding, you changed a little bit your philosophy. Running horses in bumpers more often, younger horses get them experience, whereas in the past you would have probably put them in the hurdle and then gun chasing the year after or so. How did, how did that change? What was your mindset into going that direction? Well, just another route of buying some nice young horses and bringing them along yourself. Um, I mean, these horses are still doing the same thing, but we're, 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 we're buying them at three, having a year pre-training and then running a couple of bumpers in the year four or five, and they're all ready then to go novice herd in the autumn, they're five, and novice chasing in the autumn when they're six, and we've got that production not coming along. It's just another way of getting some nice horses. Do you see that as the future going forward, buying the horses at a younger age to enable you to get them at prices that the owners over in the UK can afford? Having mentioned Willie Merlin's Gordon Elliott in Ireland, they seem to be able to dip in deeper pockets and maybe get an older horse straight away yeah look, there's no set way to, to get championship horses look i was lucky enough to buy stay away Faye and hermes allen both of those two cost over 300 grand and i've got some great owners now that are spending plenty and buying some nice horses so um there's no set rule the way they're bringing the youngsters along just a bit more patience and you hope some of them will be champions but that's a long-term thing doesn't suit everybody and some people like to go and dip in and buy some nice young french horses or point-to-point winners but you know they're quite hard it just depends on your owner and what suits and mm-hmm. there's no set way of doing it we you know we're, we're we'll keep buying plenty of stores we bought some nice horses uh from point to point in we bought some flat horses from france you know so you just got to keep keep just doing what you're doing and the owners you have are so important the johnny de la hayes yeah. the chris johns um, yeah. Paul Barber, obviously. Um, you've got Sir Alex in there and Jed Mason. Jed Mason, yeah. All, all these kind of people that keep coming back, purchasing more and more. Uh, and then you've got the owners group, the, the, the Biden as well, the syndicates. Yeah. They're, they're going to be more important going forward as well, aren't they? Hello, you need a good team of owners behind you. And I'm very lucky. I've got some, you've mentioned some wonderful names and we've probably forgotten plenty, but, you know. Uh, great people love the sport love being involved in the sport and are, are right behind us so i really you know appreciate everything they do and their support so the championships are handed out for the jump jockeys the trainers at uh, sandown on saturday and then on sunday morning what a bonus we have on sunday 5 45 uk time it gets underway charting race course 10 races wally pyra joins us to look through what is a very exciting card including three group ones with a total international feel and wally you must be looking forward to this sunday and i guess everyone in hong kong would be too yeah i i've got to say and even uh, even a, a lot of people in the uk will be tuning in as uh, well tuning in as well to see uh one of the uh, william haggis gallopers um, competing against Hong Kong's middle distance champion. So I'll yeah. talk about that later. But you're right. This is a really, really good card. It's champion. It's quite rightly called Champions Day. It's the second biggest uh, race meeting of the year uh, following International Day on, in December. But three group ones, amount, well, an unbelievable amount of 6.6 million. Uh, pounds in prize money in these three races 
So obviously there's plenty to look forward to and plenty to talk about. Let's go in order of the three big Group 1 races. We'll start with the champion sprint over six furlongs at 7.50. Well, this is all about whether Lucky Swainess, who's one of the best, well, he's rated one of the world's best sprinters, jumps cleanly and gets into an uninterrupted rhythm. If he does, he will win. He won't be a price. He'll be a very, very short price favourite, but he should he should dominate and win. He's up against his old adversary and the reigning chairman sprint winner, uh, Wellington, who's been beaten on the last three occasions by Lucky Swainers. Seeks to try and win this race for the third time. He looks the obvious forecast, if you're going to go on about it, but... As I say, hard to see beyond Lucky Sweeness. Uh, other gallopers in the field include Sight Success and Duke Y. They finished behind the champion on numerous occasions. They ran well in Dubai in the Alquaz Sprint. We've got Michael Owen owned Flaming Rib, uh, Hugo Palmer. That was second, what was it, in the Commonwealth Cup at Royal Ascot. He did win in Qatar, but then disappointed in the race that Sight Success and Duke Y ran in Dubai. Um, the Japanese sprinter, Aguri, doesn't really look up to this class. But an in, an, an interesting aside, you couldn't fancy it, probably be the outsider of the field. He's asked Master 8, but he's got the the magic man, Marera, back in Hong Kong. Great to see the magic man back. But I'm really and truly, he's going to need more than he's won to be able to win on this horse. So, all in all, interesting race, but it'll be a major shock if Lucky Swainus gets beat. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Champions Mile, another mouth-watering race this is. Run at nine o'clock, obviously over the mile. What do we see? The People's Champion, Golden 60, uh, comes out at strutty stuff, seeking to win his 20, what is it, his 25th win in 29 starts. This is unbelievable. He's won more races and more prize money in the history of Hong Kong racing. And he seeks to add another milestone to these already glittering CV by winning the champion's mile for the third time. It's going to be hard to beat. It's again, it looks a probable match against his old rival California Spangle, the Spangle out again, never been out of the frame in 17 starts with 10 wins, seven places. He's two he's two he's two one behind Golden 60 in their match races. He wasn't overly impressive last time he won when he was big odds on, but Tony Cruz put that down to to it that he never led in the contest. You can guarantee Hurton will be given orders to lead at all costs. Now, whether or not that works or not, who knows? But it's it's difficult. Deep down, it's difficult to think that California Spangle will beat uh, Golden 60. Let's have a look at the opposition. You've got the uh, uh, Myoberon second to Mr. Brightside in the uh, what is it the Doncaster Mile Group 1 event in Australia that was pretty good form New Zealand have got a runner Aegean who's um, he's he's okay but in this company this looks a little bit too hot for him 
the interesting horse in the whole of the contest is Voyage Bubble, who represents the four-year-old classic form this year. Now, this is a horse that has never been given the credit that he deserves, and that includes me. I have to say that includes me, but nevertheless has won the classic mile and Hong Kong Derby. Obviously at big prices, big surprise, but if you watch the races, they're very smart form. The form has stood up the Derby form. A couple of horses have come out subsequently and won, so the Derby form is looking good. Now he drops back to a mile. How is he going to be ridden? Is he going to be ridden to... He normally runs best when he leads, but when he won the Derby, he came from last in the home straight to win. So it's interesting to see whether or not he puts any pressure on Purton and the Spangle in that race. My feeling is he'll probably be ridden just behind the, the speed. Um, but what I liked about him was that he had a recent trial and it was against some hot, some pretty hot gallopers. And he was really impressive in that uh, trial, which suggests to me that he's still 100% at his best. He could run a big race. I remember watching that t the race where he came from last to first and all the commentators in Hong Kong, who obviously are very, very expert, they were all surprised that he was held back. They all thought he was going to fight for the lead and it probably wasn't going to get there and was going to battle. But he came from last to first and did it impressively. Of course, that was over 10 furlongs, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, that's right. He drops back to a mile, but he's obviously won. He won the classic mile earlier this season. Yeah, yeah I mean, we were all surprised, the so-called Hong Kong experts, because we expected him to be up at the front, dictating the pace, and then probably go backwards in the final uh, two furlongs. Well, that didn't happen. You know, he came from behind. He had a run. His time, his closing sectional times in the home straight were very, very impressive. So, all in all, if he runs up to that, if he's in the same condition as he was in the derby, to me, he stands a good chance of going, running well, getting in the frame, and maybe even splitting the Spangle and Golden 60. But we will see. Well, that's, that's how it goes. And finally, we come to the 940. This is the, what, the flagship event of the day. It's the QE2 Cup. It's got a purse of 2.5 million or just over 2.5 million pounds. Um, you've got Romantic Warrior. This is the reigning QE2 uh, champion who won it last year. Romantic Warrior's got uh, James McDonnell back in the, um, in the saddle. Uh, he, he's ridden this horse twice earlier in the season, won on both occasions, including this spectacular victory he did in the Hong Kong Cup over 10 furlongs in International Day in December. Things haven't gone according to plan since then. He's twice had a bloody nose when he's met up with Golden 60 in races which he was expected to win. He's got beat on both of them. Poor old Caris Teton has been put into touch because of those defeats. They, they've got to blame somebody. And uh, poor old Karis has been uh, sidelined because of it. James McDonald is back in the saddle. Is he as good? Can he reproduce that form? 
That's the $64,000 question. Now, up against him is the Haggis, William Haggis train Dubai Honor. Not not class one comp, not group one company uh, horse in Europe, or well, it certainly wasn't last season. Um, he has run in Hong Kong before. He was fourth behind Loves Only You in the 2021 Hong Kong Cup. But recently, in the last month or so, six weeks, he's, he's globe trotted over to Australia. He won two, two races, two Group 1 races over there, once with Ryan Moore in the saddle. Last time out, he won the Group 1 Queen Elizabeth Stakes in Sydney. And But the big, the notable triumph about this was that he defeated Australia's champion, the local nine-time Group 1 winner, Animo. That was, it, who knows how good that form is? But Animo is very highly rated in in um, Australia. Yeah, could be the best form in the race. Now you've got those two. It looks a bit of a match between those. But of course, what have we got? We've got the Land of the Rising Sun. Have got three <laughs> horses in the race. Um, Vince, he looks like they're B team first and foremost. He looks the B team. You know, you got Vincent Ho rides down on the kid. That was well behind um, Rome. Uh, Romantic Warrior in December. They've got this filly or mare, sorry, Geraldine, a five-year-old mare. She won the Group 1 Queen Elizabeth Cup uh, back in November. She was given a big break, which they do in Japan, like two or three months break. Came back, ran okay first up after that break, although it was behind Dan on the kid. From what I'm from what I'm getting is her track work earlier in the in the week was pretty fractious. She she was taking a bit of time to get acclimatized, but over the last few days she really looks good. Mm-hmm. So she may be the best of the Japanese horses, but it's a really mouth watering race. It's very intriguing to know whether or not Romantic Warrior is back to his best. Dubai Honor. Is he as good as he's looked in these races in Australia? And never, ever overlook the Japanese challenger. So it's a really interesting race. Right. Um, going just quickly, this car, this car, this program, this 10 races, lots of good horses are running that um, on Sunday. You've got a, a newcomer called Beauty Destiny. Looks a flying machine. That runs in the 6.15. You've got a great matchup again between... Two very progressive horses, Supreme Lucky and Prince of Port, uh, Portly in the 645. You've got a horse called Ching going for a hat trick in the 825. And you've got a, an impressive last start winner, Taj Dragon. Um, he's seeking to overcome the outside draw of 14 in the, uh, what is it, the nine, uh, 1020. Yeah, or te- yes, yeah, the 1020. So those, but. First and foremost, the last race on the card is a real cracker. It's a seven furlong handicap. The field includes Beauty Eternal. Beauty Eternal. Now, this was the winged horse, Pegasus, (laughs) who unfortunately had his wings clipped in the Hong Kong derby when he was considered the proverbial certainty. Highly progressive. Maybe the dropping trip to seven furlongs from ten furlongs is a smart move 
So he's in the contest. You've got our old favourites like the Golden Scenery and Fantastic Treasure. Fantastic Treasure looks like he's back to form. That's the same as the same comment about the trainer David Hayes, and he's got McDonald on it. Red Lions going for a hat trick. You've got Flaming Rabbit. That was formerly useful in Europe when, when he was trained in Germany, placed in various Group 1 races around the continent. You've got a horse at the bottom of the um, handicap called Dromberg Banner, who looks really well handicapped. If he gets out in front, he's got Angus Chung on it, who's got a record of two from two on him. Um, he's got a, a real featherweight. I'm sure he will go run well, but I, I do think probably the safest option, if you're going to go against the automatic favourite, Beauty Eternal, is probably, I think, one of your old favourites, Tuchel. Yeah. T-U-C-H-E-L. The reason I, I like it is I know he just finished just in front of Beauty Eternal when he was beaten, what was it, a short head or a nose in the derby. Mm. He drops back to seven furlongs. He's, a, he's, a, he's got an unblemished record of one from one over this distance. But what I like about him, he has looked so hugely impressive in his track work and a trial. So probably that would be my safest option. But all in all, a wonderful day's racing in store on Sunday. Thanks, Wally. Really looking forward to a great Champions Day meeting in Hong Kong on Sunday. It's live on Sky Sports Racing. You can watch it in the early morning on Sunday here in the UK. Some terrific action going on, in particular those three Group 1 races. Well, that's all for today on the busy episode. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing action in the UK as well as Hong Kong. So please make sure that you join us then. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. 